Hello and welcome to our uh, Serbian Superliga preview for the 21-22 season starting this weekend. Um, I think probably the first thing to mention before we get into any thing actually talking about the teams or what might happen is of course to talk about the politics of um, what's been going on in Serbia over the past two, three months. Because you know, as, as any seasoned observer of the league will tell you, it's rarely uh, that um, the league sails on quiet waters. And certainly this summer, they've been choppier than most. So I think there's probably three main things we have to cover off. Um, first of all, just BFA. Um, so in about in May, there was a split in the FA, um, basically around uh, the acting head, Marko Pantovic, who had um, sacked everyone and said he would be replacing everyone um, below him because the FA was corrupt and so on and so forth. Uh, then everyone else came out and said, no, actually, we're sacking you and uh, because you're corrupt. Um, so there was a bit of mud flinging for a couple of weeks. Eventually, the uh, Pantelich faction is gone. The other faction is what's leading uh, Serbian football for the imminent future. Um, it's probably worth noting there are a lot of clubs and a lot of people just in general who are very dissatisfied with how it's run, um, which we'll sort of hint on in the day when we get to our next point. Um, so there will be elections for roles and, and, and things like that. And there is a likelihood that there will be further instability uh, in terms of actually providing a direction towards the game in Serbia uh, imminently. It is a bit of a mess um, that has sort of come out with what we thought was a clear view, um, but has actually transpired to be an extremely muddy one. Now, the reason that is, is because the second point we have to cover is league reconstruction. So, the starting with the 2019-20 season, first of all, um, that was in the format the Serbian Superliga had been in for a few years, which was um, 16 teams after 30 games, so everyone's played each other home and away once. The league would then split. Top eight play have one more game against each other. Bottom eight have one more game against each other. The points are halved. Um, which you know is theoretically meant to bring a, a a closer league, but didn't really work that much. Um, and you know the placings after thirty seven games are what's left. Now, the reaction to COVID was that they decided that no teams would be relegated and four teams would be promoted. So we had the twenty league uh, twenty team league last season which was, um, I think it's probably fair to say, a pretty unmitigated disaster um, in terms of how clubs are able to operate financially um, and in terms of the integrity of the league. Um, you know, we still uh, plenty of issues uh, in the second tier, um, which had had a similar temporary reconstruction. Um, but there were plenty more of the games under the microscope that 
weren't necessarily referred to the Serbian FA by UEFA to actually investigate and do something about. Um, a couple in the first year were, which is obviously where we had uh, quite a lot of um, controversy around the actions of, uh, in particular, Boris Kashak. Um, but I think maybe there may have been an expectation from UEFA or from Serbian FA that that would be enough to kind of make clubs clean up their act. I think what we probably saw for the remainder of the season after that point was that it probably wasn't. Um, but we'll certainly see how that plays out for that particular element this season. The element we actually wanted to focus on was how Serbia's uh, dealing with coming back to the prior structure of the league. So last season, six sides were relegated from the top flight with two promoted, bringing us back to 16 and bringing us back to that after 30 games split. Um, as we've had previously, as we've been used to. But plenty of clubs aren't happy with that um, because the pro what 20 teams pointed out more than anything is that Serbia doesn't really have the depth of player pool or the depth of administrative talent or infrastructure, however you want to put it, to really have 20 top clubs. It doesn't really have it to have 16 top clubs. Um, and I think the 20 clubs was just an exagger exaggeration and an exacerbation of issues that were already present within the game. There was the suggestion and a, a vote put forward and a vote succeeded that this would be the last season at 16. Next season, so 22-23, would go down to 14. Season after would go down to 12. That proposal was eminently sensible, that sort of staged decrease of size and the reduction of the amount of teams in the top flight, basically meaning that the player pool becomes more concentrated and you have the top flight being that bit more elite, um, which I think is something Serbia really lacks at the moment, is a depth below the top four um, but that particular proposal lasted about a month before being completely overturned the suggestion is it was overturned due to political pressure um, namely that the government are paying a lot of money to improve facilities across a lot of clubs uh, in terms of building new stadiums because you know, they, they want to do it for the 2030 World Cup bid uh, and just, you know, some of the some of the stadiums are just an absolute state. Um, but a lot of these clubs that they're doing that are, um, you know, second and third tier uh, in high population areas. What they didn't want from a political perspective was that they invest all this money and then it looks like the Superliga pulls the drawbridge up and makes it more difficult for these guys to get in. Um, that is very much not just putting the cart before the horse, it's putting the cart about 10 metres in front of the horse before the horse is even in the same postcode. It's a bizarre allocation of priorities. 
but that appears to be what's happened. It's stalled reconstruction for the time being, uh, if not killed its stone dead until um, some of these sides get their stadiums and start to progress up the league, which is you know obviously what people will hope they, they'll do. Um, the final change, and surely the juiciest one for any lover of Serbian football, is that this season we'll see the introduction of VAR into the Superliga. Um, in a league where, let's just say, last season, not all games were necessarily on the level, um, and I think where teams and managers generally are a bit more hot-headed than they are in a lot of regions of Europe, VAR is one of those things that, if applied properly, will sort a lot of issues about um, the integrity of Serbian football out, but if implied improperly, will just be really funny. Um, and when I say funny, I mean funny in the sense that um, you'll get tweets from very serious people who be like, these aren't scenes you want to see at football, teams walking off and doing this and that, but actually, you know, you kind of do want to see them at football and it's quite entertaining. Um, furthering the likelihood that they make a hash of it is that running into the league season they're already making a hash of it so um, as things stand Serbia does not have enough qualified VAR officials um, because they wanted to have everyone homegrown rather than importing officials in for uh, early stages of the Superliga you know, just while others are training um, as a result, they've had to completely rejig the schedule of the first couple of weeks of the season um, to ensure that they have that there aren't in, there aren't multiple games going on at once, which would stretch and overload the capacity that they have to do VAR. Because quite aside from lacking the officials, they also lack um, some stadiums with the camera facilities and stuff to actually, uh, you know ensure you can transmit and use the V bit of the VAR. It will uh, be mightily interesting to see the application of VAR in Serbia because it already doesn't bode well. Um, you know, I, I know there are a lot of fans who watch football who aren't fans of VAR. I am. Um, I think what we've seen with this application in Croatia is that it's actually been pretty good. Uh, and that there it's been used very well. And I think a similar application in Serbia will could be very good. It doesn't seem like that sort of reasonably common sense application of VAR is going to be what's going to take hold in Serbia, at least not at the point where we're first applying it. So, I'm aware I've gone on for about 11 minutes without talking about football. Um, rather just talking about random events that have been going on in Serbia. Um, and that sort of is the nature of Serbian football in a nutshell, really. Um, that football often plays a secondary role to nonsense. Um, and you can't be a fan of Serbian football without also being a fan of nonsense. I am a fan of nonsense. Um, I don't think that's that's something that's that's really a secret, um, and you know this is at a point where I've not even mentioned 
you know, over the summer, we have one side in the Superliga, Colabara, who hired a new manager and sacked him within four hours. That's not days, not months, not weeks, hours. How can you not love a league where that sort of thing happens? Anyway, to actually go to the football, um, we there's only really one place to start, and that is, of course, Belgrade and the two eternal rivals. We'll start with uh, Siesta, and they come off a season where they were unbeaten. Um, you know, dropped six points all season, which would suggest they're quite hard to uh, overhaul at the top. Um, but I think probably the really impressive thing is that they've done that last season and they look stronger now. Um, a big signing for me uh, is definitely uh, having brought in Alexander Dragovic. Um, he was in the Austrian uh, side at Euro 2020, comes from, um, I think it's from the Bundesliga. You know, he looked uh, very much at home in uh, Euro 2020. He looked still decent in the Bundesliga. Um, he's going to be a class apart at the back in the Superliga. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, it, it, it makes an already extremely formidable Svensjester uh, back line even, even better. Um, perhaps the other main signing is one that's not come yet, um, coming from Mold. Uh, and I apologise profusely for the pronunciation you're about to hear. It's Ohi Amoywanvo, I think. Um, he is an attacking player. He's record in uh, the Norwegian league, so the elite Syrian. Um, Hope I've got that right. I don't think it's the tip of the guy in anymore. The elite Syrian is really, really good, um, and you know I think that's a similar level to what he would experience in Serbia, if not a little bit uh, better. Um, it's one of those where he's coming to a bigger club, um, but not necessarily playing at a higher standard. Um, he is definitely coming mid-season. It may be that he comes earlier. It's between the clubs to sort of sort out. Um, getting you in early uh, i think Mulder wanted to keep him until the end of august Sviesta wanted him ready to uh, play in the european qualifiers obviously um so there's a bit of a, an impasse there the other bit of uh, business i've been very impressed with is they brought in petar stanich who comes from zelesnikar panchevo um in the second tier now uh stanich is very very good um he you know really impressed in uh, zelesnikar last season um but you know what you're talking about is a really big central midfielder but really classy um you know i've seen him compared to sergei milinkovic savage i don't think that that is a million miles wide of the mark um if he takes to the superliga if he's given a chance this season uh, you know he's something where suggests you've done a bit of business that uh is probably very 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 cheap to them but could earn them a lot of money like i say this side looks stronger than last season which when you go a season dropping only six points going unbeaten um you know is really quite a scary thing uh, and i really don't envy anyone trying to stop them this season uh you know i, I think they're a better side uh, and they're a side who are probably looking at europe um 
as where they can make some moves and get into you know maybe the last uh, 16 of I was tempted to say the Europa League, but um, I don't really, <laughs> I can't quite remember off the top of my head exactly how the drop off works from where Zvester are into what European competition they'd end up in, depending on how they do. They want to be playing European football after Christmas, basically, um, and I think they've got the side to do that. Partizan are, of course, the team who are tasked with trying to catch them. Last season, uh, they didn't start well. They didn't really end very well. But in the middle of the season, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, and there was an excuse at the end of the season in terms of Takuma Asano uh, quitting the club like that. Um, they don't have Filip Stavanovic. He um, obviously is a City player now and is, uh, I believe, at Heronvane this season. Um, they do have Danilo Pantic coming back. Um, who was at Kukrici last season, um, but he is now in Serbia permanently rather than just being on loan from Chelsea. Uh, Philip Hollander has also become permanent. Uh, Sinisa Sarkani has joined from Vojvodina. Um, possibly the biggest signing is uh, Ricardo Gomez, who uh, played in Partizan for a season in 2018, scored 20 and 34. Um, and, you know, a similar impact will do a lot to close the gap between them and Svenis Fiesta. But, as I sort of indicated, I think Fiesta are stronger, stronger. And, you know, if you're stronger than a side that already goes unbeaten, then, you know, if you're the team wanting to compete with them, your standards have to be, quite frankly, out of this world. Um, and I don't quite think Partizan are up to that, um, specifically defensively. Um, you know, I mentioned Sami Kalin coming in. You know, he is um, someone who will actually, get, who from preseason looks like he's going to be playing quite a lot for Partizan, but he's not necessarily a player who, where I was watching at Vojvodina, I was thinking, you know, this guy's got it. Um, that said, centre backs are horrible to scout, so um, we, we shall see. Um, I think a clear second and closing the gap by maybe five points um, from last season is enough to constitute progress and success for Partizan this season. Staying in Belgrade, and we stay with Kukulici. Um Now, of course, Kukulici are um, probably my favourite club in Serbia because they run well. Um, and, you know, having a, a club that's run well is a really pleasant exception um, compared to some of the things we talk about uh, when we're talking about Serbian football uh, on here. They are uh, obviously down Dmitry Kalinovic, who's gone to Lazio for about three million. I think it is actually the biggest fee uh, Kukulici have ever received. Um, but I like what they've brought in. Um, the big one is Norman Campbell. Um, obviously, Norman Campbell is not the sort of name you expect to hear in Serbian football, but he is. Um, he was at uh, Grafica last season. He's a, a young Jamaican player um very lively um i think that's uh with maggie degree anytime i've watched him he's always been doing something i think you probably look at him as a replacement for verko butnacevic who went to a malmo mid-season he will take the step up in his stride um and you know it's hardly as if kukurichi don't have 
all the players in their youth system who are on the cusp of getting into the first team and really making a difference. Uh, Novak Mikovic in goals um, is going to be one uh, to really look out for this season. But, you know, we talk about that youth element at Kukulichi a lot. I think what's probably gone under the radar is they've put together a good core around it. Um, you know, keeping Stefan Sapic, um, you know, who is an absolutely towering centre back, um, but good with the ball at feet as well. Um, Jordi Ivanovic, um, you know, obviously who'd gone to Spain, uh, was it, I think, Kiddies, um, but came back to Serbia uh, last season after being released and did well um, for Kuzuchi. And uh, of course, Stefan Kolovic, who uh, formerly of Proletair and then Dundalk. Um, who came back to Serbia after, um, you know, what was a very ill-fated move to Dundalk. Um, he basically moved just before lockdown started. Um, so, as you can imagine, if you're emigrating to a whole other country with a whole other language, with a whole other culture, and straight away you basically locked away for months, um, not able to do your job and uh, not necessarily able to integrate as he's like, you know, it was, I think it was a very difficult period in his career. Um, I'd love to see them get into the groups of the Conference League. Uh, I think that's certainly something they have the capability to do. Um, and, you know, they're going to be a difficult side for anyone to take on in the league. The next side I want to cover have one common thread, Ninad Latovic. Um, First up, Vojvodina. Latovic managed them last season. He has gone. Um, they obviously had a very difficult year last year. Um, you know, the level of performance that Latovic brought after them was truly exceptional, given the dire financial straits they were in. Um, you know, players weren't paid basically for the first half of the season. Um, and Latovic's weekly press conferences essentially just turned into... Uh, weekly monologues on the uh, evils of not getting paid by the club um, it was massively entertaining um, and very much a, a measure of the man how he stood up for his team um, and also um, how sort of fearless he is with uh, with his employers as we've seen at Vojvodina as we've seen uh, at Radnik Inis who we'll go on to next um, on the pitch, they basically lost their defence. And, you know, if you're looking at guys like Sukic and Topic, um, you know, you're going to think, well, if they get a good offer in for them, why wouldn't they be accepting it? Uh, because Vojvodina need the money. Um, they won't struggle this season, I don't think, too badly, um, purely because of the weakness of other teams in the league. But, I, again, matching the performance of last season I think is very much beyond them the other Latovic club we mentioned is Corsa Diki Nice so after Latovic went from Novi Sad down to Nice he stayed there for 12 days and then accepted a contract in the Middle East and went to Saudi Arabia now that in and of itself is going to be quite fun because Latovic um, is notoriously monocultural shall we say uh, in terms of the players he brings in specifically making sure they're serbs um he knows serbian and russian and know other languages um 
as I said, you know, very monocultural in his signing policy. It will be very interesting to see how he does outside of Serbia um, because it could be very eventful. Um, but, you know, his absence is a massive gap at the club. Um, you know, Alexander Stankovic coming in as uh, magistrate into the season. I think he's got the bonus that Vlasovic has ba basically done a lot of building of the team before he went. Um, you know, guys like Borko Dronic, Vukadin Vukadinovic, Alexander Pejevic are all, you know, really solid additions for that side. Uh, and they're all players who can really do something and, and do a role. Um, the one player who I think could prove to be very, very good is uh, Ryohei Michibuchi. Now, Michibuchi is um, someone Latovic had had his eye on for a long time. Uh, he is a very, very talented Japanese player who has a very, very, very <laughs> uh, negative moral fiber. Um, so, for those who don't know, um, he was uh, played in Japan, um, played in the J League, then moved across to the K League. He was forced out of both clubs because he has multiple domestic abuse um, allegations against him. Uh, and, you know, in Korea, in Korea, you know, it was a case that there were fan protests against him and that he was forced out of the club uh, as much as it was, you know, a case of him wanting to go to Serbia. Um, now, those allegations probably won't follow him to Serbia. Um, but you know, obviously, it's a it's a black mark against him. On the other hand, he is an excellent player. He is a step above the the Superliga, absolutely. He you know could really be a difference maker for uh, um over this season. Um, Stankovic has a good um, foundation to build on. Um, and if he can apply it, you know, half as good as Milatovic did, then, you know, I can certainly see them challenging for Europe. Um, but it could all blow up in the face as well. Um, the other real European, strong European contender will be TSC Bacetola. Um Now, they've spent the uh, best part of three seasons on the road, um, but have a new stadium which is expected to be completed probably September um so they will sort of be at home and it is i will say you know i've seen a lot of the pictures kept updated on it you know it is a while it's going to be a, a small stadium you know it's going to be a really uh, lovely environment i think for the players to play in most of the work that mladen kristajic has done in uh changing the team this summer has been to shore up the defense um you know they were a bit leaky they do have very reliable attackers in uh, Zech, Lukic and Schladi. Um, and, you know, I think some of the defenders they've brought in, in particular, Josip Kalasic, uh, who obviously wa I've watched a lot at Sellier, um, you know, really is going to make a difference to them. Uh, I was quite impressed by it. Um, I would be surprised if they weren't pushing for Europe. Next, we'll just sort of go attack teams with themes here so our next two teams their theme is 
it's really important what they do about their big players, um, which is Radnik and Spartak. Um, for Radnik, of course, the player in question is Milan Makaric. What are they going to do in terms of selling him? And what are they going to do in terms of replacing him? Um, he will surely go. Um, he's got an interest from Serie A. Um, I know in my... Um, I know I've been asked uh, a few opinions about him uh, from a scouting perspective um, from people uh, to as to you know how they think he would cope going elsewhere and uh, you know what I think his qualities would be. Um, you know he definitely deserved to be capped for the national side. I think he's really come on. He has that, has versatility. If Rednick are able to use him for a bit, you know that will be a real boom for them. But I think they probably will be focusing on just replacing him um, and what they can do. And really, it's quite hard to make a prediction as to their uh, direct prospects, not knowing the answer to the Macrich question. The same applies to Spartak and, uh, in their case, Lazar Tefegsic. Um, Tefegsic was fantastic last season um, as well. Um, you know, Not just from a goal-scoring perspective, but from a creative perspective as well. Um, you, you know, can't really get much more influential than he was. All the players did start to come up to his level, but I mean, the sheer uh, talent and effectiveness that he was providing, you know, was well above anyone else in the team. Um, now, for him, I think most of the um, links have been to Turkey. But they don't seem to necessarily have been as strong as the links that I've seen for Makaric. As such, I wouldn't surprise me if Tefekic was here was in Spotka till mid-season. Um, and if that's the case, then you know that's going to be a half season where they'll do well. Um, I, as I say, for, for both, you really want to know what's going on with their star players before wanting to make any sort of predictions on them um, so you sort of just pencil them in in mid-table um, because you have that uncertainty about them. Uh, Mladost are always either top, top half one season, bottom half next season, they were top half last season, they'll be bottom half this season. They're pretty much metronomic in that um, oscillation. They don't worry me, they don't uh, uh, massively impress me. Uh, they are definitely a weaker side than last season, um, particularly with uh, Milos Stara going. But yeah, I, they'll be in the bottom half, but they'll be fairly safe. Proletaire uh, are an interesting one. Um, you know, they were extremely solid first half of last season. I think they were one of the sides who, you know, when we've talked about the integrity issues in Serbian football, they're probably one of the sides who had some integrity issues uh, with some of their games towards the end of the season. Um, they do have quality players. You know, I really do like uh, Viktor Zivinovic, um, and of course, uh, goal of the season for the league winner last season, Filip Knezovic. Um, a lot of the players are at nice age profiles to suggest that they're going to keep on growing and get themselves turned into you know a really solid top half side and perhaps the uh, the number one side in Novi Sad uh, over Vojvodina. We shall see. Methlach, um, another one with a lot of changes. Um, but the one that piques my interest is seeing Richard Adada, um, who's uh, on loan from Svenna's Um 
given a chance to have a full season at Super League level. Uh, he is, has been, I think, probably enigmatic at Premier League level in terms of the amount of game time he's got, um, but also how effective he is. He's a, just a big unit um, who charges about, and I like watching him. Um, he's has just that sort of physical player you love to watch and just body through people. Um, if he can translate that to Super League level, he could be you know, very good um, and be a very effective performer for Methalach this season. The other sides that we're going to talk about is that sort of leaves us actually with uh, four. Um, sorry, five. The three remainers that we've not talked about in the Predak, uh, lots of turnover in players. They'll be looking just to stay safe. Novi Pasar, ridiculous amount of turnover. We're in a, like they're in the high teens of players who've come in and gone out. Um, it is nutty. Um, and really, again, you know, sort of defies prediction and says that they will just be looking not to be relegated. Um, and Vojtovac. Now, Vojtovac are an interesting one in terms of I do like the side. Um, you know, they've got some very talented players in there, but uh, they've lost this summer Jovan Nisic, who has moved on a free to uh, Pau in uh, France. I think that's a re it's a really big hole he leaves in midfield, um, not just in terms of his talent, but also from the mental perspective as well. Um, you know, he was the captain of the side uh, and a bit of a leader for them. But, you know, you look at the talents that they have at the club, uh, Luka Kvetikanin and uh, Dragan Stoicevic, you know, are potentially top, top class. Um, you know, I sort of, this in my head, I sort of attached Vostovac and uh, Kukurichi almost together. With Kukurichi, you have that sort of volume of good talents. With Vostovac, you have fewer talents, but they tend to be, you know, ones you like, they're going to be going to a big club quickly. Uh, I think certainly Stoicevic will go to a big club quickly. Um, he he uh, you know, looks to have an absolutely massive ceiling. Um, if those high ceiling young talents come in and um, you know accelerate their development pretty quickly, then Vojtovac will do well. Uh, I think it's probably fair to err on the side of caution with them and suspect they'll probably be in the bottom half as things stand. Um, it leaves with the two promoted sides. Um, the second Bradnikti in the league, uh, which is Radnikti Krakowiewicz. Now you can say uh, either Radnikti Krakowiewicz or Radnikti 1923. You can use both. It's going to be confusing um, <laughs> because there's multiple Radnikti's in the league anyway. Um, and uh, the other side coming up are Kolobara. Now, obviously, we mentioned Kolobara before in terms of sacking a manager after four hours. Um, they have brought in a lot of players, um, but some quite interesting ones. Yuri um, Stranovich is uh, you know, potentially a good one who's um, sort of coming from Romania. Uh, Luka Velikic is one who is a youngster who'd gone off to, uh, he was in Spain. Um, and you know, from what he'd shown at uh, the so youth level in Spain, suggests he'll be pretty good. Um, you know, I think he's one who can probably make a can make a real difference um, if he hits the ground running. But you know, you've got that difference between um, the sort of football he's been playing and the sort of football he's going to be playing this season. 
um, for Akinichi, um they lent on Sviesta to get some loans in. Um, Borisov Blumaz is one player I'd like to, uh, I'm intrigued to see how he'll do at this level. Um, the one thing that makes it quite hard to talk about the relegation right uh, this season is that, and I realise I am speaking this a few days before the season starts, is we don't actually know how many teams are getting relegated this season. Um, <laughs> so as a result of the instability around uh, how many uh, clubs are actually in the league, they've changed the relegation system. So the bottom two automatically get relegated, but third and fourth from bottom go into a playoff against third and fourth from the second tier. Now, they've not actually said how those playoffs are going to work. So it's not really possible to say how many teams are going to get relegated, whether it's a case that, you know, it goes into a sort of semi-finals final stage or something like that, or, um, you know, it, it goes into some sort of system, um, or if it's just, you know, fourth from bottom place, fourth from top in the Pia Liga, we don't know. Um, and it's silly that we don't know, but it's almost, it's kind of to be expected that we don't know, I suppose. Um, <laughs> if you've heard the rest of this episode, it probably will come as no surprise um, that I'm treating it with the highest scepticism. It may even be completely turned around and reversed. That wouldn't really surprise anyone um, either. Um, it, it, it's not a bad innovation to have. You know, I think there certainly are some interesting sides in the second tier this season who can probably who will be looking to come straight back up in terms of Bacha, uh, Ngia, Jaro, uh, Rat, Magva. Um, and then you also have some sides who have come up from the third tier in there who really don't have any uh, business in there, um, which, which I say with all apologies to Mardos Novisad, um, but, uh, you know, they're more or less a village club. Um, it promises to be an eventful season. It always promises to be an eventful season in Serbia. Um, if nothing else, that's all we ever want to guarantee um, is something that will provide you with a bit of entertainment over the next nine or so months. And I think the Superliga is bound to deliver, even if it doesn't uh, necessarily have the quality uh, we'd like to see uh, in depth throughout the league. Um, and that is, you know, for now and for a while, going to be its big detractor um is 16 clubs is just too many but hey ho uh i don't run the league so that's not mine my thing to sort out um one final little note is that this is the first season of the new tv deal so clubs are getting a bit more money hopefully that will mean everyone gets paid their wages um which is the first and most important thing that clubs need to do um, to change Serbian football's reputation is to pay their players reliably and on time um, and not not make Serbian football so blooming sketchy um, because people will love it um, even without the you know incessant entertainment value of some of the whataboutery that is in the league so that is two leagues down for the season so far um we've got two more to go uh, croatia and bosnia which will both be out this week um my 
written bits of it my notes everything are done and so it is a case of just me uh recording them um i hope uh, you very much enjoyed this episode um obviously i'm recording this in the aftermath of the euro 2020 final as well i hope you very much enjoyed um the euros um a fantastic tournament and as a scotsman i do have to say you know much love to italy for um doing the job in the final <laughs> um, and yes i will catch you for our next preview next time <laughs>